successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for listening on 980 AM. And also if you're listening via podcast on iTunes or at our website, GrillNationShow.com. We greatly appreciate you joining us for another episode of A Grill Nation with Jason Grill. We're going to have an exciting show today, very informative, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, we're doing something a little different today, so we'll preview our show here in a second. But before we get to that, I want to thank our partners and supporters of The Grill Nation Show with Jason Grill on 980. They are title sponsors of the show are MoBank, BOK Financial, and Two West Advisors and Ryan Rink. Contributors to The Grill Nation Show include the KCADC, that's the Kansas City Area Development Council, thanks to Tim Cowden and Port KC, uh, which will be joining me here this month as well. I want to thank John Stevens for his support of The Grill Nation Show. You connect with me on social media at Jason Grill on Twitter and at Grill Nation Show. Uh, you can also find me on other avenues. Just search for my name. And also, don't forget to uh, review our podcast on iTunes. And if you like it, uh, please give us five stars. I'm actually asking for stars now. I've never done that before. But I heard uh, it actually uh, increases the listenership, so I'm excited about that. Thanks for all your support as we go into October. And it is October, and on today's show, we are going to be uh, talking to uh, Dr. Amy Patel, who's a breast radiologist uh, and the medical director at Liberty Hospital Women's Imaging and an assistant professor of radiology at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Medicine. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, we are lucky to have on uh, Dr. Amy Patel, who I'm going to bring on to the show right now. Amy, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Um, I noticed you're wearing your pink today. I thought about wearing a pink <laughs> shirt, but then I, I didn't pull that off with the look today. But you look great. And, Thank you. Uh, it's a big month. Um, it's a big month, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But I want to connect with you first about uh, you and your background. I know you're, um, you're, you grew up in an area not too far from Kansas City. Kind of take me through that and kind of uh, where you went in your medical career and kind of where you studied and whatnot. Yes, so it's certainly been a long journey that has now ended up back in Kansas City. So I actually grew up in a rural town in northwest Missouri, Chillicothe, Missouri. Some of you may have heard of it. Uh, I was born and raised there. sliced bread. It's the home <laughs> of sliced bread. We take that uh, very to the seriously. bank. Yes, we take it very seriously. And, uh, and I graduated uh, from Chillicothe High School. I was then really fortunate to get accepted into the accelerated BAMD program at the University. Missouri, Kansas City School of Medicine. So Tell us what that is exactly, because I know that yeah. a lot of people in Kansas City, uh, it's kind of at the time was very innovative, right? Yes. Yeah, so it, it's still innovative. There's only a handful of programs, uh, medical schools like this in the country, where you actually enter your medical training right out of high school. So uh, typically you do, uh, in the conventional medical school route, you would do four years of undergrad, and then you do, you'd have to take the MCAT and then try to get into medical school, and then it's another four years. 
This um, essentially you get in right out of high school. Uh, you go all the way through as long as you maintain a certain science GPA. You don't have to take the MCAT. Uh, you you know it's typically a six year program, mm-hmm. or you can go seven years. Essentially, you finish early compared to a conventional medical student. So I was really fortunate to uh, go through that program and complete it successfully. So you did that. Uh, that's six years. And then I, so as a, as an, as a person who went to law school and has done um, consulting, the, the whole uh, medical school process and the whole residency and all of that stuff is so foreign to me. Yes. So, so take me through that. So you did that. and then So after I graduated from medical school in 2011, um, I did my intern year in internal medicine uh, at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I... Um, underwent my diagnostic radiology residency uh, at the University of Kansas in Wichita, and that was four years of radiology residency. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I wanted to be a breast imaging specialist. So now we have to do something called a fellowship where you do a one year of subspecialized training. So I was fortunate enough to do that at Washington University in St. Louis at the Malincrod Institute of Radiology. And how long is that? That is one year. <clears throat> so essentially, wow. um, you know, you do. So that's anywhere- 12 years. <laughs> 12 to 13 years of training. And then after that, um, I had to decide where to practice. So, um, I, you know, I weighed the pros and cons, but essentially I ended up taking a job at Harvard University in Boston, and that's where I started my career. So you went the fast way for what you're doing, and you still were at 12 to 13 years of yes. school and residency, and that's yes. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, what drew you to Harvard University? I mean, obviously I understand the, the pedigree and the uh, – uh, the history there, uh, but you, what what you know you're moving around already. You were in, you were in Wichita, you were in Kansas City, or you were in Kansas City, you're in Wichita, you're in St. Louis, then you went to uh, Boston. Yes. Well, you know, I think it was multifactorial in my decision making. I had done all of my training in the Midwest and I wanted, you know, I was ready for a change and I wanted to start my career at a superior institution because even if I ended up not at Harvard for the rest of my career, I would have that feather in my cap, so to speak. I could garner a lot of the knowledge and tools and education from the Harvard system and virtually take it to wherever my travels, you know, may take me. So that's sort of my thought process behind it um, that I wanted to be at the best. And so I was very fortunate to get a job there and start my career. What Tell us about that experience there. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Amy Patel. She's on Twitter at Amy K. Patel. Tell us about uh, what Harvard was like. So it was a great experience, and I would never have traded it for anything. Um, you know, I soon learned, though, regarding my personal life, I wasn't much of an East Coaster. I'm, I'm a Midwest gal through and through. So the personal life, living, the traffic, all of that wasn't in, essentially enticing to me. But the institution was great. Um, I was on faculty at Harvard Medical School teaching medical students residents, fellows. I had a really great experience uh, seeing different pathologic diagnoses that you know I don't see as often here in the Midwest or seeing some uh, obscure things that now when I do see them here in the Midwest, I'm, I know exactly how to manage a case. So um, I think it was a really invaluable experience and I'm just fortunate to have had that time there. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what was people's um, thoughts about Kansas City when you were there? Because we, we like to talk about Kansas City and, and moving forward and whatnot. What, 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 when you told people you're from 
Kansas City, what was their response? It was funny because most of them didn't know where the state of Missouri was. Um, <laughs> one of my breast imaging colleagues said, is this Missouri? And I said, nope, that's Nebraska. <laughs> so we are really known as a flyover state to many parts of the country. Um, and at the time, you know, the election had just happened and uh, people were asking me about, uh, you know, I don't want to get too political, but asking me about Trump and, you know, Hillary. And I was like, okay, I think there are maybe some misconceptions there, but very, very quickly, those were debunked, and I had a very solid, strong relationship with my colleagues, and I, I do miss them a lot, and I keep in touch with a lot of them still. That's awesome. And so on uh, today's show, we're going to get into where you are today and uh, why you're here. Uh, in our next segment after the break, we'll start talking about that. But just preview that for us in our last minute here. Uh, Amy, tell us, you left Harvard and you came back to Kansas City. Yes. So essentially, I was seeking a leadership opportunity. And I thought that eventually I would back uh, end back up in Kansas City, but perhaps maybe in five years after I started practicing. But this wonderful opportunity uh, presented itself at Liberty Hospital, which I could not pass up. Mm, I can't wait to hear about it. So Amy Patel is our guest. Uh, Amy, I've got to pull up all your jobs again. You are a breast radiologist and the medical director at Liberty Hospital. You're also an assistant professor uh, at UMKC Med School, and you're on Twitter at Amy K. Patel. After the break, we're going to be right back. We're going to talk about Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We're going to break into all kinds of different topics here with Amy. We're going to talk about uh, public policy, why this is important. Do men have to deal with this as well? Uh, a lot of great stuff here on Grill Nation show today. You're listening to Grill Nation with Jason Grill at 980 a.m. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill on 980 a.m. and on iTunes via podcast or at grillnationshow.com. I will post a photo of our guest today as well as you can find all of my old shows at grillnationshow.com. Today we're joined by Amy Patel. She's a doctor uh, and breast radiologist. She's also the medical director at Liberty Hospital Women's Imaging and the assistant professor of radiology at the University of Missouri Kansas City School of Medicine. She wears a lot of different hats. Uh, which I really like. She's also on Twitter at Amy K. Patel. Amy, um, <clears throat> first off, you, you mentioned in your last segment that you came back to Kansas City from Harvard. Um, let's talk about that and kind of uh, what your day-to-day looks like here in Kansas City. I know that um, you're kind of a, a hard charger when it comes to uh, being innovative and uh, pushing the envelope and making things happen. So what does that look like today? And tell us about what you do here in Kansas City. Sure. So uh, sort of as I was saying in the last segment, I was really seeking a leadership opportunity. I thought that that's really where my career was going. Um, unfortunately, in the Harvard system, to have any sort of leadership opportunity, you have to wait at least seven to ten years. And I really had, you know, a lot of ideas. I have the energy uh, that, you know, I really wanted to try to implement now if I could. And then <clears throat> fortuitously, an opportunity arose back home uh, through Liberty Hospital. So I was fortunate enough to accept the position position of medical director of the Breast Center of Liberty Hospital Women's Imaging uh, and join the Practice Alliance Radiology, which is the largest uh, private practice for radiology in Kansas City. So soon after I took over the Breast Center, I also took over breast imaging for six uh, rural uh, critical access care hospitals in northwest Missouri. So now I'm overseeing breast imaging for a quarter of the state of Missouri. So this is things, places that have never seen like this before. No. 
So, you know, they do have uh, mammography services, but a lot of outdated techniques, uh, not overseen by a breast specialist. So we've worked really uh, vigorously since I have come back to the area to practice to improve uh, protocols for breast imaging to really close the gap for access to care, as that is one of my passions, is to close the gap for breast care disparities. Uh, and we're doing that through the Liberty Hospital Foundation. And we were also um, very grateful to be awarded a Susan G. Komen grant of Kansas and Western Missouri so that we have this money available for these rural women. So if they need care, they can come to Liberty uh, for that care. So Susan G. Komen, I see these signs all over town. They're having a race soon. Is that a yearly yes. thing, right? Yes. Um, and it's, that's coming up here yes. actually very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've been involved with that group for yes. a while. Yes. So as soon as I came back to Kansas City, one of the things that was really important to me was forging community relationships. So I actually started reaching out to groups before I moved back when I was still practicing in Boston. So I thought that, you know, I felt very strongly that I wanted a strong relationship with Susan G. Komen in Kansas City. And so they had this inaugural uh, Big Wig campaign last fall where they invited uh, seven community leaders to participate in the campaign to raise money for breast cancer. And I was fortunate enough to raise the most money, so I was dubbed the biggest bigwig, which was a really cool thing. I know you did that because one of my uh, colleagues did that as well, Lori Roberts yes. from Paris Communications. Yes. She, was, uh, she had a, a pink wig on as well. Yes. Um, this is a great group in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the questions I didn't ask, or maybe you mentioned it, was when you were at Harvard um, – you know, how does an opportunity like this arise with Liberty Hospitals? I mean, how do you find out about it? Mm-hmm. Is, is there a connected world in your – is it very uh, uh, good community in, inside your world and hearing, hearing about these opportunities? Yes. Yeah, so – I, I would think this is applies to many medical subspecialties, but in radiology we have a really great community, and we have a lot of um, job boards, and and we're we're a very small community because not very many medical students match into radiology. It's a pretty small field, and so you hear a lot of things by word of mouth. So actually, through the Society of Breast Imaging, that um, the, an organization in which I'm very uh, actively involved in, uh, I heard about this uh, job opportunity, and then uh, so I reached out. And uh, very quickly, I was offered an interview, and then essentially we negotiated, and I wanted a leadership title if I was going to take on this job, and I had all these innovative ideas, which wasn't difficult because I receive a lot of support through uh, Liberty Hospital and Alliance, and so um, that's essentially what happened. And it, just in a whirlwind, I was back in the city within a matter of months. So you, um, at the time, did you want to? Did you have an idea you would take on these six rural hospitals? At the that? time when we initially, I initially interviewed and everything, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, very shortly after, when we were sort of hammering out the details of my contract, and I talked to the other radiologists in my practice, it was sort of obvious that I need to be taking this on. Um, in our group, we have in- exemplary radiologists who read breast, but in uh, back in, you know, 20 years ago, et cetera, there was no such thing as a fellowship. So I'm the only one who has that additional specialized training. So the group felt it was obvious for me to take over these sites to really get them up to snuff. Mm-hmm. So this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we're talking to Dr. Amy Patel. Um, why is this so important? You know, we see pink everywhere. <clears throat> I see it at NFL games. I see it on uh, TV. I see it with Susan G. Komen Ron. I see it on You Today. Um, you know, this is the month everyone knows. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And, and why is this so important? Um, and why does it, it seems to me that it's just become bigger and bigger every year. 
Yes. So breast cancer is a very horrific disease, and it really requires all hands on deck. Not just raising money for breast cancer research that so that someday we can find a cure, hopefully, but also to advocate to get women in the door to receive that annual screening mammogram. We know that when we detect a cancer early, when it's less than you know five millimeters, less than a centimeter, the prognosis is excellent, and they will live a long life. They will die of something else other than breast cancer. So early detection is such an important part of it. And just the awareness of screening and the, you know, the advancements in research for breast cancer detection and disease. Mm -hmm. And so this month, there's all kinds of events all over the world, right? Yes, it is all over the world. We're all celebrating. The month of October is a time to shine a light on the efforts that we are putting forth in raising money for research, for advocating, for getting women in the door, helping women who can't afford a mammogram or afford additional workup, a biopsy. We're all uh, coming together as a breast cancer community to help these women and to advocate for the cause. And is it is it advancing the uh, the research and and whatnot? I mean, uh, it seems to me that cancer is uh, whether whatever kind of cancer it is is. I mean, there's so many research and development and money going into being raised to try to fight this. I mean, are we making advances as far as as that? I do think we are making advances. Uh, you know, breast cancer and any type of cancer, it mutates at such a rapid rate. So by the time we think we found a cure, it's already mutated to a certain extent where we can't pinpoint the mutation to eradicate the disease. So we're sort of playing that game. And, and that's what researchers have difficulty with for other diseases like HIV. But I do feel that we are making great advancements. We are pouring more research, um, more money into research, NIH funding, which has been really wonderful for us, the government has not cut NIH funding to the degrees that we previously thought. So it's been really remarkable. So I do have hope that one day we will have a cure. And I do think we're making some very remarkable, uh, you know, strides, not just in uh, treatment, but diagnosis as well. What uh, if, if you're a, a female out there, what what is the what is the proper time to, to start and to, to, to go see someone like you or to get a mammogram? I mean, when do people start thinking about this? There might be some confusion in that area as far as what the media says versus what a doctor says like yourself. Mm -hmm. What do you recommend? Well, there are many, you know, there's conflicting information out there, right, in the media. Different organizations are recommending different things. But the Society of Breast Imaging, American College of Radiology, the American Society for Breast Surgeons, the American College of um, OB-GYNs, all of us are recommending annual screening mammography in an average risk woman starting at age 40. Mm -hmm. And so what average risk means is that you are not considered above risk or uh, uh, above average risk or high risk, meaning you don't have a greater than 20% lifetime risk of breast cancer. And if you are... So how do you know that? So there are these breast cancer risk assessment tools out there that can calculate your lifetime risk. Um, at Liberty, we're very fortunate to have the most accurate on the market called Tyra Cusick. And essentially, when a woman comes in for her mammogram, we ask her questions like her family... This is at age 40. Uh, well, anytime they come in for their mammogram, yeah. we do the tyrocusic. So at 40, if they're starting their screening mammogram and they have no symptoms, it could be earlier if they're feeling a lump or something like that. But we ask them questions like family history. We take down their body mass index. Um, 
uh, we take down sort of are they on hormone replacement therapy, things like that. And then it spits out a number. And then if you're 20% or greater lifetime risk, you're considered high risk. And in these individuals, we came out with new recommendations last year that we recommend that any woman of any color is risk assessed by age 30. And if you are deemed high risk, at age 30, you should start getting annual mammograms alternating with supplemental screening in the form of breast MRI or ultrasound every six months so that you are having that heightened surveillance every six months. And what is the biggest barrier you think to people doing this? I mean, is it, is it, is it insurance? Is it time? Is it just like, Hey, I'm healthy at 30. I don't need to come see you or what? The biggest barrier by far is insurance. And so we are working vociferously to get legislation passed to cover women. Um, I was really fortunate last year to be involved in legislation, which required private insurers in Missouri to cover the cost of annual screening mammography starting at age 40 for both 2d and 3d mammography. But now we need to take it a step further. So I am I am currently working on high-risk legislation so that women who are high-risk can receive that insurance coverage so we don't have to fight with insurance companies every day for them to have access. Well, we're going to get into more of that in the next segment. I want to talk more about public policy and how it impacts what you do. And uh, you know, as somebody who's been in politics in the legislature, I understand that a lot of things aren't covered by insurance. And so this seems like something that should be a no-brainer. So we'll get into more of that after the break. Um, we're talking to Dr. Amy Patel, who is, uh, let me bring up your titles here, Amy. She's a, a doctor, of course, a breast radiologist, medical director at Liberty Hospital Women's Imaging, and assistant professor of radiology at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Amy, if I want to connect with um, what you're doing at Liberty Hospital, what, is there a website I should go to or is there anywhere I can look to? Yeah, so if you go um, on Liberty Hospital, you have a website and you can go to the women's imaging page to see sort of what's going on. We, you can also follow us on Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Liberty Hospital Women's Imaging. Uh, so, And we also um, have our Twitter account through our hospital. It's at Hospital Liberty. So you can stay up to date with what's going on. LibertyHospital.org. Check it out. Are you listening to Grill Nation? Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm Jason Grill. I appreciate you joining us today, uh, as always, on 980 AM or on iTunes via podcast. Remember to rate our show, uh, give us five stars, and give us a good review if you like what we're doing here on the Grill Nation show. My website is grillnationshow.com, and uh, you can find all of our old shows as well as ways to connect with us on the website at grillnationshow.com. Again, we're talking today. Uh, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month uh, across the world uh, and in Kansas City. A lot of people are getting very heavily involved, so we thought, let's have Dr. Amy Patel, who is a, uh, a superstar in, in her realm and in, in the medical community. Uh, she's a breast radiologist and the medical director at Liberty Hospital Women's Imaging and also an assistant professor of radiology at University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Medicine. Uh, she's very uh, innovative and is doing a lot to advance the cause to uh, uh, find a cure for breast cancer and also to, to get more people involved in getting screened. Uh, Amy, you were talking about um, your involvement with with public policy and why that's important in the first seg- in the last segment. Uh, talk to us more about that. Tell us about the bill that was passed uh, and why it was important regarding three D um, uh, mammography in uh, Missouri. Did yes. I say that right? Mammography. Yes, mammography. Okay. So, so it's a mouthful. Yes, it is a mouthful. <laughs> 
So a bill was actually introduced in January of 2018 by Representative Dean Ploker, who represents the St. Louis area, about amending the current legislation that we had um, in Missouri regarding mammography. So this legislation had not been edited since 1992, and it only required private insurers to cover the cost of mammography every other year for women starting at age 50. Mm. Well, the problem with that is we, as I alluded to in the last segment, many organizations, we recommend annual screening starting at 40. Why do we recommend this? Well, we know that one in six women are diagnosed with breast cancer between the ages of 40 and 49. And we know that all organizations, regardless of any sort of, um, you know, uh, differences in recommendations, all agree that the most lives are saved if you start annual screening at 40. So we felt very strongly that we needed to get this legislation amended as well as force private insurers to cover the cost of 3D mammography, which has become this truly, um, truly revolutionary disease. Let me stop you there, disease. too. 3D mammography. Yes. What is that, and how does that benefit women? So 3D mammography has really become this revo- revolutionary mammography tool in the detection of breast cancer. We are able to look at the breast tissue in a three-dimensional way. When a woman goes in to have her mammogram, the images are taken with an, the X-ray to moving at certain angles. And as it moves, it essentially accumulates these slices so that I'm able to look at breast tissue at one millimeter slices on the workstation. So therefore, if there's a cancer hiding, particularly in a dense breast, I'm more likely to see it because it will be conspicuous to my eye with 3D technology. The uh, prior technology was 2D mammography, where I was uh, introduced or when I looked at essentially just static images. So if there was something that was hiding in some dense tissue or an obscure area of the breast, you're less likely to see it because you don't have that three-dimensional look to the cancer. So as a result, uh, multiple studies are now demonstrating an increase in cancer detection rate with the advent of 3D mammography. So we felt that it was very important for private insurers in Missouri to cover the cost of 3D because so many women were already receiving it and they were having to pay out of pocket for it. Mm-hmm. Which makes them not want to do it, which exactly. makes, makes more cancer grow. I mean, when I have, was in the legislature, I sponsored the uh, uh, autism insurance reform bill, oh, which wow. has proven to be very successful now because, but back then we didn't cover autism therapies with insurance. And so it was the huh. same kind of deal. Um, we didn't have any coverage. And so it just seems like crazy nowadays to look back on that. And, and you guys were able to pass this bill again in the Missouri legislature regarding 3D mammography, and it starts now. Tell us about the the details again. It starts when and and how is it covered? Yeah, so we were fortunate to get that passed in four months. So I was really excited. Which never happens for our listeners. It takes years to get things passed. Yes, and I actually wasn't practicing in Kansas City yet. Um, The Missouri Radiological Society was working on this bill with the Missouri State Medical Association, and they actually reached out to me because they knew I was coming back to practice, and I was working on similar legislation, and it testified in Massachusetts. So I was luckily. What was that like compared to Missouri? A lot more difficult. (laughs) Um, So when I I had to actually testify in front of the Massachusetts legislature, they asked me lots of questions. I did not have to testify in front of the Missouri legislature. So uh, they. They, they were sipping on the Kool-Aid, they understood the importance, and they passed it without me even having to go out to Jefferson City. So that was neat. But the bill essentially... I'm, I'm happy for you for yeah, that. Thank when you. you're in Boston, <laughs> you, when you're in Harvard, you just can walk down the street to Beacon Hill and you could go to the, the testimony, and here you had a drive-through hours. And, yeah. 
Uh, Boston's a little different than Jeff City. Yeah, just a little bit. But now this bill requires private insurers in Missouri to cover the cost of both 2D and 3D mammography annually starting at age 40. And what was really neat was that a few months later, the Kansas Insurance Department declared that all private insurers in Kansas had to also cover 3D mammography. So victories for both Missouri and Kansas. So you didn't have to go any through any legislation in Kansas. They adopted it. So, yes. Um it, you know, Kansas is a bit more tricky for legislation than Missouri. Yeah. Uh, and so the best pl- way to go about it essentially was to go through the Kansas Insurance Department. Mm-hmm. And it, a kudos to them for them to come out there and say, well, we're going to cover 3D as well. So, um, you know, Missouri was a trailblazer in our part of the country and then Kansas soon followed. So very, very grateful. Dr. Amy Patel is with us. Doctor, um, okay, so you understand the importance of public policy then. It does impact your... Uh Absolutely. It impacts what you're doing, both greatly. on the state and the federal level, too. Don't you have federal folks to help you with that? Uh... Yes. So I'm very intimately involved with the American College of Radiology government relations team, and they really are our voice on Capitol Hill to really advocate for our patients uh, for coverage, for 3D mammography, for supplemental screening, uh, for diagnostic uh, radiology breast imaging coverage, which is when a woman is called back from her screening mammogram, she may need additional mammo imaging and an ultrasound. So they are very instrumental in having, helping us have a voice on the Hill when we physically cannot be present. So there's a lot of upcoming issues and still things that you need to accomplish Absolutely. on the local or the state and federal level. Absolutely. So, you know, at the state level, one of my passions now and I'm working really hard on is to have access to care for our high-risk women. Because right now, if you're deemed high-risk and you're the ages 30 to 39, you aren't covered by insurance. Um, there might be a few outliers that are, but typically they are not. And any woman, regardless of age, who wants supplemental screening like a breast MRI or an ultrasound, ultrasound, uh, many of those women, the majority, are not being covered and they're having to pay out of pocket. So I have a lot of women who end up not doing it at all because they can't afford it or they end up, you know, picking ultrasound when we know that MRIs are most sensitive uh, supplemental screening tool and she's a super strong family history and I'd prefer for her, for her to have an MRI. So I'm writing a letter to the, her insurance company pleading with them to please cover and I'm still getting denied. So all of these things can be eliminated if we can just pass legislation in Missouri. That's awesome. Hopefully that happens. You know, 2020 is right around the corner. So I'm hoping you're uh, you're talking to your lobbyists or your supporters and uh, making sure those bills are filed. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've been talking a lot about women on this show. And obviously people think about women when it comes to breast cancer. Uh, I have heard of a, bro- a friend of mine's brother who had uh, a male actually had uh, breast cancer. Um, what do you see any men and, and do they get breast cancer? Or how, what's that like these days? Well, men do get breast cancer, but it is a lot less. I've not than had women. my mammogram. I'm 40, so <laughs> well, there are no current screening recommendations for men, but uh, it does happen in men. We see it in about one percent of the population. So one in eight women uh, will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime, opposed to one in 800 for men. Wow. Uh, so it is more rare. However, one in eight 
women is higher than I thought. Yes. That, very high. It's very high. And so that's why we are advocating so strongly for screening. But for men in particular, you know, the most common breast pathology we see in men is something called gynecomastia, where it's a benign pathology. It doesn't turn into cancer. And usually it it's, uh, comes on the, uh, the male patient experiences pain behind the nipple. And that most often happens just because of normal aging or if they're on a certain medication that might predispose them to that. But male breast cancer sort of presents just like female breast cancer. You feel a hard lump somewhere on the breast. It's It, it doesn't move. It's sort of fixed to the chest wall. You can feel it in any position, whether you're sitting up, sitting down, you know, standing, whatever, and it doesn't hurt typically. And, you know, since I've arrived back to the area, I do see more male breast cancer here than I have in, um, than I did in Boston. You know, hmm. I'm not, and I'm not, you know, really sure, but I do see a lot of rural men, and I'm wondering, which that is some research I, I hope to tackle in the future, if there's some sort of, uh, uh, you know, connection with pesticide exposure, a lot of the farmers uh, that we do end up seeing, um, is there an element behind that? But uh, but breast cancer most certainly exists in men. It's just not as common. Mm-hmm. We haven't really we haven't really heard about it um, or thought about it, I guess. And uh, most men probably are are kind of they have a thick skin and they're kind of tough. I can't imagine uh, a, a man in a rural community going just. Because thinking they have breast cancer, it's got to be a yes. tough situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see a lot of male patients that said, oh, I didn't want to come in and do this, but my wife made me or my doctor made me. The best advice I can give is, is that if you feel anything, you need to get go in and get it checked. And most likely it'll be nothing. It'll be some benign fatty lesion like lipoma or gynecomastia. But you really need to get it checked and take it seriously in a worst case scenario that it does end up being a breast cancer. We're talking to Dr. Amy Patel. Uh, She's a breast radiologist and medical director at Liberty Hospital Women's Imaging and an assistant professor of radiology at UMKC. Amy, we got 40 seconds left in the segment. Talk to me about UMKC and what you do there as an assistant professor. Yes, so I'm involved in our radiology residency program where I'm an assistant professor. So what I do is I teach radiology residents not just about breast imaging. I have many topics that I teach on and that um, I'm known for, like, teaching about breast density and things like that, uh, but also non-interpretive skills like um, the medical community is very, very big with social media and how we can reach patients. And so I give what are called non-interpretive skill lectures to them. Um, I also have medical students who rotate with me, and I also mentor and sponsor them as well. We have one segment left with Dr. Amy Patel. Lots more to talk about. You're listening to The Grill Nation Show on 980 AM. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. You connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and search for me on social media. Uh, just search for my name. I appreciate you guys connecting with me each and every week here on the Grill Nation show on 980 AM. Or if you're listening on iTunes, that is also great as well. We're talking to Dr. Amy Patel, who's a breast radiologist and medical director at Liberty Hospital Women's Imaging, also the assistant professor of radiology at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Medicine. Uh, she's on Twitter at Amy K. Patel. And it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month here uh, in Kansas City and throughout the country. Uh, Amy, one thing you've been uh, very proactive about, uh, proactive about in your new role, uh, not new, but somewhat new, mm-hmm. at, uh, at, at the Liberty Hospital is 
innovation. And um, there's a new tool that Liberty has that's very innovative, and it's, it's helping with what you do. Tell us about that. Yes, so we are really fortunate to bring to Kansas City uh, artificial intelligence in the field of breast radiology. So we recently have implemented an artificial intelligence breast ultrasound tool. And this AI tool helps us delineate essentially between benign and cancerous lesions. So it's based on machine learning, based on an algorithm of 400,000 ultrasound cases that have both um, radiologic and pathologic correlation that can help distinguish between benign and cancerous lesions. So it essentially helps as a second opinion console. Like if I'm on the fence and I'm thinking, eh, this mass, I think it's probably nothing, uh, I can actually use this tool to help sort of reaffirm that. So if the tool says, yes, it's this lesion's benign, it's already sort of helped me in that second opinion console. Um, alternatively, if I think, oh, I think that I, this needs to be biopsied, you know, this is looking a little suspicious, the tool can help me sort of determine that as well. So I ultimately make the call as the breast specialist, but this tool really can help sort of distinguish um, sort of my thought process, uh, provide that second opinion consult, and essentially uh, reduce unnecessary biopsies for women. Because I'm always trying to reduce that. Because unfortunately, uh, I think that a lot of women receive too many biopsies. So if we can avoid that, especially in these masses that are benign, uh, this AI tool really has potential to really transform the field of breast imaging. And it recently was FDA approved. So we're the first breast center in Kansas City to offer this new technology. And we are the first breast center, period, in the Midwest to partner with Kios, who is this company with this AI uh, breast ultrasound tool. And that's at Liberty Hospital? Yes. And um, you also mentioned um, before you do six other hospitals or regions in Kansas yes. City. So, uh, and, and yes. In the northwest Missouri yes. area. Yes. So um, I oversee breast imaging for uh, the in the hospitals of uh, Bethany, Missouri at Harrison County, uh, Carroll County in Carrollton, Missouri, Cameron Regional in Cameron, Missouri, Excelsior Springs uh, Hospital in Excelsior Springs, um, uh, what else? There's so many of them. Uh, and also Lexington, um, mm-hmm. Lafayette Regional Medical Center. And what's the last that's one? That's six, I think. Yeah, I think that's six. Yeah, so so there's it. a lot of them, and we're in constant communication. But uh, we've really improved, I think, breast care and access to care in these uh, at these hospitals, these critical access care hospitals, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, Amy, you are a young, a younger person for your field. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of leadership uh work that you do uh, at the hospital and throughout the medical community. Um, do you have any advice for people in, in that are trying to uh, maybe maybe become uh, stronger leaders or take on larger roles at their organizations or in their day-to-day lives? Yes. Yeah, so I do think that you you know experience is important. And I think that when I took on this job, maybe some were skeptical. I'm very young. I was entering my second year of practice only. And uh, there were some skeptics out there. But I do think that we underestimate ability. And I think if you see potential and ability in a person that, you know, you, you should really, you know, sort of give that person a chance. And luckily, Liberty and Alliance Radiology took that chance on me. I had a game plan. I laid it out. I said, this is what we're going to do and how we're going to execute it. And I think when you are confident in your game plan, that in and of itself is a very strong leadership attribute. I think when you're young and you're on the fence about taking that leap, I think you have to have faith in yourself and just take that leap of faith. And if it doesn't work out, then you know. But if, you, if you're if you hesitant and you don't take the chance, you're always going to be wondering what if. And what's really fortunate, I think, in regardless of what, you know, 
uh, vocation you're in, uh, what field you're in. I think that you do have a lot of support out there, uh, particularly in my field. I have a diverse cadre of mentors and sponsors who help me navigate uh, leadership issues because every day I'm facing something differently. And I can then, you know, s- turn to one of my mentors in my group or one of my mentors nationally to help me problem solve and work through an issue. So there's so much support around us. You just have to have faith in yourself and take the leap. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been now at this job for how long? Now, um, a little over, I started in July of 2018. So, but over a year. A little over a year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have made a lot of progress. Yes. Um, so what is this deal with this campaign between WWE and the Susan G. Komen National Foundation? Well, what is that? Yes. I think I saw something on Fox 4 about that. Yeah, so WWE partners with Which is, Susan G. Komen. that's the wrestling organization. Yes, that is wrestling. Okay. Um, they partner with Susan G. Komen National uh, every year now uh, through a uh, contest called the Champions of, of Hope Contest, where essentially they end up having two winners who have a really compelling story of whether it's a patient or patient advocate or um, a physician or what have you. So I actually we submitted my story about how, you know, I was um, from rural Missouri, went out to Boston, practiced at Harvard, came back to the area. I knew there was such a need to improve breast care. And a lot of my patients are WWE fans, and so I thought it would mean a lot to them. I grew grew up watching wrestling with my brother. <laughs> Admittedly, um, he, you know, was a very huge fan. And so I was fortunate to make one of the finalists in the country, which I <laughs> never thought that would happen. And who, who thought that there'd be a relationship between Susan G. Komen and WWE? I thought I that know. was a misprint and, and what no, I saw online. That's because of John Cena. So hats off to him. But uh, I unfortunately didn't end up winning. But just being one of the finalists, I was so grateful to share my story. And, and from that, I'm now working on some Susan G. Komen initiatives nationally with the organization. So I'm I'm really, really grateful for that. Uh, Amy, uh, we are in October, so that is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, we've got a few minutes left in our show today. Um, how can people get involved or what should people be looking to get involved with? Or, and how do they just, you know, besides wearing pink, what can they do? You know, there's so much we can do even in Kansas City. Um, you know, being a part of the Susan G. Komen, Kansas and Western Missouri, uh, their organizations are always looking for volunteers. There's so many jobs available through the, through Susan G. Komen. American Cancer Society, there's so many opportunities through them of Kansas City. They'd have the Making Strides Walk that's coming up October 26th. You know, be a part of the cause. There's so many who are out there that are wanting to change and to help with the cause of breast cancer. You just have to reach out to these organizations or reach out to your local hospital. We're always looking for volunteers for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, even at Liberty, you know, it's a very busy month. We're always looking for someone to help to, you know, extend a helping hand. So lots of ways to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be an exciting month here, uh, Amy. So are you what are you most excited about in Kansas City right now? I know that you've been back here for a year. Um, bought a house and are moving forward. I mean, you're kind of planted here now. Uh, are you, you know, pretty excited about the future of our city? I am so excited. I, you know, I love breast imaging because it is just ever evolving and there's so many new te- technologies coming out, uh, for breast cancer detection and treatment. And I'm so fortunate to be able to have that support from Liberty to bring such cutting edge technologies to the city. And what's even more amazing to me is that patients in the community are really do understand the importance of these things and are taking advantage of it. So I'm really, really excited to see the changes to come in Kansas City and for patients to really benefit from it. Dr. Amy Patel, a breast radiologist, medical director at Liberty Hospital Women's Imaging and assistant professor of radiology at UMKC School of Medicine, uh, online at libertyhospitals.org, also on Twitter at Amy K. Patel. 
Thanks for coming on the Grill Nation show today. It's a very important month. I appreciate all of your advice on uh, breast cancer awareness, and uh, congrats on all your success. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Grill Nation show. We'll see you again next week. Have a great day and week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.